Okay. Today I am here with my sisters, and we are going to tell you about our haunted house we used to live in as kids. Tell you some stories, and then maybe I can get my dad in here to tell us his side of things. There's two levels of the house. There's the downstairs and the upstairs. Downstairs, there wasn't a whole lot going on, but the upstairs was where all of it happened. So when you walk up the stairs, to the right is my sister's room, where most of the activity happened. And the left is the bathroom. And then right next door to this, my sister's is parents' room. And down the hall to the left is my room. Okay, so we're going to start on the stairs, and I'm going to tell you mine, and then Alira, my youngest sister, is going to tell you hers and how we just found out last night how they connect. So on the stairs, I was downstairs with a bunch of friends on my birthday for a birthday sleepover, whatever, and we all seen it, and there was an old, old lady. She was a chunky old lady, you know, grandma-like. <laughs> And she had white, curly, puffy hair, and she was just sitting on the stairs watching us, just kind of hanging out. Well, and then my sister told me this story last night. Okay, so I was sitting on the stairs. I think our parents were out, and I was just sitting on the stairs, spacing out, because there was nothing else to do. And then I heard footsteps coming up the stairs, and... I thought it was my dad, like maybe dad got home, so I, so I yelled out dad, and then they stopped and I felt a cold brush of air go by me, and I just thought it was Santa Claus, but turns out it was just the lady on the stairs, and I think I thought it was Santa Claus because I saw like the white curly hair, yeah. So then in my room, in the closet, it led up to the attic, which I think is the reason that this happened, but... I remember my alarm clock going off. I was about to fall asleep, and in the closet, my alarm clock went off, like one of the old ones, and it was like, you know, it was unplugged. There was no batteries, so I don't know what kind of balls I grew, but I got into that closet, and I grabbed that alarm clock, and I went downstairs, and I told them, I said, hey... What the hell? This fucking alarm clock is going off. They're like, oh, it's nothing. It's probably, you know, it probably has batteries in it. No. The fucking demon in the closet would turn that shit on. There ain't no way. So, new discovery just now. Um, just got told that the same closet in my bedroom. Apparently, I guess I was sleeping or something, and my parents heard, like, a bang from their room. And when they came to look, all the stuff on the shelves had flown off. And I'm guessing I was sleeping because I never remembered that. Now we're going to get to the very, very scary stuff. And this is all tied into my youngest sister and my little sister and their bedroom that they shared. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is their toy box. So when me and a friend were outside playing, my youngest sister came out and told us that there was a girl in the toy box that would come at night and ask her to play. So I remember being like really young 
and then I would like in the middle of the night I would hear like voices in the toy box so I would go into my toy box like I'd crawl in there because it was like a bigger toy box so I'd just go in there and crawl in there and there was always this little girl in there I don't quite remember her name or what she looked like but she'd always ask me to play the only experience I had was toys that would like shut off like they weren't on that would like go off and then you'd go over and you would like look to see if they were on and they weren't on but they were like still like playing noises okay so we're gonna go ahead and talk about the bathroom now my mom uh filled up the tub with water so i could take a bath she walked (laughs) she walked away and i walked into the bathroom the water was like just (laughs) the water was still and then i walked then the water um started going crazy like someone was in there splashing around and then took my bath and then Brooke came in and then she got in the bath and then we put the little uh Mr. Bubble color tablets in the bath and we just took a bath. Yep. With the ghost? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the bathroom was across from their room and so obviously the I think the whole upstairs was haunted by uh, I don't know. Okay, so all I know, like, is the feeling of it. Like, I rarely ever went into their bedroom because of the man in the closet. It You just walk in there and it's cold and it just has that weird feeling of just something dark in there. Like, I, I hated their room. I never went in their room unless I had to. So, the man in the closet. All I remember is a very old, old man in a little top hat. It's almost like Willy Wonka's top hat, you know? Not, like, too tall. And he always hid in the closet. One, I think one night, like, the closet doors, like, creaked open before we went to bed, and, like, there was, like, something in there. I think one, I think I remember one of you guys telling me that there was, like, eyes looking at us from the closet. But, yeah, other than that, that is the man... The man I saw always wore a suit. He was an old man. Uh, he was always in black and he was very old. And he... I don't really know how to explain it. He had a mustache. Mm-hmm. I know that. And it was white. He was just this creepy old man that just followed... Just lived in the closet because... Apparently that was his comfort. Was our closet. Alright, so... When we first moved into the house... I think... It was either the first night or second night. It was bedtime, and the two younger ones were all, everybody was in their bedrooms. And we were laying down for bed, and the door to the little girl's room slammed like super hard. We always left it cracked just a little ways because they were young and scared of the dark at the time. And so. I got up to see why or what, you know, what was going on. And, the you know, obviously the door was shut and I opened it up and both the little girls were in bed asleep and hadn't even heard the door hit. Like they were out. They hadn't even moved. And so I cracked the door again and then it started, can't remember if it closed or open, but it was moving real slow and you could hear the hinges creaking. And it was super creepy. So after we had lived there for roughly a year, year and a half, I was on an out-of-town trip with my dad and got a phone call 
that the English Mountain Deer Skull that had been sitting on the ledge above the stairs for since the day we moved in, uh, when my wife was underneath of it on the way up to see the little one who was hollering from upstairs, the skull came off of that ledge and almost hit her. Uh, it was coming like nose down and uh she she was pretty worried about it so she called me all shook up and not thinking a whole lot of it and then i i don't recall if it was later that day or the next day uh the youngest again i got a phone call and she had fallen and hit the corner of her eye on my footlocker and split her eye socket open and had to get stitches for the first time. Yep. All right. So when I was 19 years old, uh, my best friend at the time called me and he was five years older than me. So he would have been uh, like uh, 24 at the time. Uh, a guy that he went to school with and grew up with his age. It was his best friend when they were kids. Uh, Anyways, he called me and said that they had found him dead. And so, obviously, you know, he, he had just lost his childhood best friend, so he's obviously upset and everything, so we were talking through it. Uh, we found out that when they discovered his body, he was in the bathtub with four blades, four kitchen knife blades snapped off in his chest, and then a final, you know, one still sticking there. There was no water or blood anywhere in between the kitchen or the bathtub, like he had just gone in there and, and he didn't leave the tub after stabbing himself the first time, clearly. So, it just didn't make any kind of sense because who the hell grabs a handful of you know knives and goes and gets in the tub kind of thing. He had been partying that night and doing hallucinogens with a couple other guys who claimed that they had left and gone home previous to this happening. So, uh, it was labeled a suicide. Time goes by a few years down the road. Uh, like I happen to, it's a small town. I happen to know his whole family. So I've discussed these things like with his grandmother and his cousin. And then out of nowhere, here, it was three, four years ago, uh, I was doing some work here in town and here he comes down the road walking. And I saw him and I went up and, you know, said hi to him, shook his hand and stuff because I hadn't seen him in years, obviously. And uh, was completely taken back because I wasn't exactly sure what was going on because I distinctly remember uh, him being dead and discussing his death with his family members and things like that. So that was just an experience that I had. Okay, so now we're going to read you these spooky, ooky, ooky stories from reddit so i'm gonna go first and then Alira's gonna run run uh read <laughs> about six years ago i'm working at a small truck stop i had recently seen a horror movie and i was talking about it with the co-worker i don't remember the movie name but it was one with a ouija board she starts telling me about how when her grandmother died she used to try to talk to her and after that time to time, she would see her randomly down dark halls in the corner at night, etc. I grew up Christian and immediately say that's a demon. She says, no, it's not. I then rattle off things like every time it shows up, it somewhat scares you. When you get a good look at it, it disappears. And it never appears exactly like your grandmother. Nor does it if 
nor does if it speaks sound like her. Exactly something is just a little off. She agrees, so I pull up some internet explanations of demons online, and they fit this thing to the bill. While I'm doing this, she gets a call from her husband saying the house is shaking. He has the kids, and they're screaming coming from the other end of the house, and she needs to come home now. So she goes home, and I finish my shift. I hop in my pickup about 1 a.m. and start home. It's about a half hour to my house and start down the interstate. My truck started being kind of weird, like I'm pulling a trailer or hauling a load. Suddenly, I start hearing noises in the bed of my pickup. I've heard them before, but can't place from where. A few minutes go by, and I have a flashback to my grandpa hauling bottle calves in the back of his pickup and realize what I'm hearing is hoofs on the metal of my truck bed. I flip my bed light on, and all I see is fucking fur. Immediately, I command in Jesus' name for it to be gone. Soon as the words leave my lips, my truck swerves like the damn thing leapt out of the truck. After that, I continue noping the fuck home. I pull into the driveway, run to the door, and in three seconds, I unlock it and open it. Inside, I flip the light, switch, and nothing. I ease my way to my breaker and flip one of that's tripped, and then make my way to the kitchen for some coke. Not the booger sugar, but, the, you know, the pop. <laughs> What I saw next scared me half to death. Every dish I owned, whether it be a coffee cup or plate or bowl, was pulled out of the cupboard and was stacked up on the floor and aligned straight to the back door. Considering my high-end electronics weren't stolen from the living room, either a demon had been in the house or the robber was still there. I run to my bedroom, grab my 12-gauge from between the mattress and box spring, and start checking every nook and cranny. Nothing. No doors were unlocked. No windows nor anyone hiding in the closet or anything. Now, completely freaked out, I sit for a moment, say a few prayers, and decide not to let fear control me, and take a shower. Leaving the shotgun leaned up next to the wall within reaching distance, mind you. And of course, the moment I wash my face and close my eyes, the light goes out in the house. I scrambled out of the shower into some boxers and shotgun in hand, run into my bedroom and lock the door. Now this shit's crazy, ready? I now flip the breakers and sit there watching the door ready for anything. Half an hour goes by and I start to calm down. It's just fall too high or there's too much on these breakers and they're just stripping. <laughs> I decide to settle in. I turn on my laptop and start browsing something on Netflix to wall to fall asleep to. That's when I heard it. Hooves on fucking tile, obviously in the kitchen. I flip the safety off and the fastest movement I've ever heard happened as that thing ran from the kitchen to my bedroom door, smashing plates and shit on the way in half a second and boom, it hits my door. I yell, I'll fucking kill you. And it responds with nothing but laughter, like childlike laughter. Now to paint a picture of what I'm seeing, I'm in a small room. My laptop is illuminating it well enough that I can see just about everything just fine. So I'm trained on the door. And I watch as this black, formless cloud slowly flows under the door and materializes against the wall at the foot of my bed. As soon as I saw this, I dropped the gun and grabbed the Bible from my nightstand, and the only thing I could come up with was to set it at my feet and start praying, hoping the Bible would keep it back. So for roughly two or three hours, that's what I did. All the while, this mass of black darkness stood peering at me, not moving. Only thing it did was I could hear it laughing over and over and over. When daylight came, it slowly disappeared like a fog that slowly got thinner and thinner. After that day, I had myself and my home cleansed. When we did the cleansing, we made it to the last entrance and forced it to leave. The screen door literally opened on its own as it left, and we blessed the door behind it. Heck no. Hoofs. Imagine hearing hoofs running towards you.
<laughs> no, thank you. Okay, so our next one is from Reddit and from Mexico. So, before I start this story, it's important for me to clarify that the paranormal here in the United States isn't seen the same as it is in Mexico, from where my father's from. In Mexico, on the other hand, it's seen from a much different point of view. It's part of our culture, and the same stories our great-grandparents heard are the same ones that are passed down to us. Ya Llorona, Duendes, Nujales, Brujas, and even the devil himself. We're taught to treat these things with respect and to never take them lightly. To us, it's much more than just witnessing an old chair move on a blurry security cam. Or maybe hearing footsteps in an empty room. It's part of our culture. My father is not the type of man to seek attention. He's humble, honest, hardworking man. And as a result, I wholeheartedly believe him. Since he could remember, he had the misfortune of being more sensitive to the paranormal than most. What I mean by this is that all throughout his life, he has found himself face-to-face -face with the most, quote, stories we're warned about. Even now, as a grown man, our entire family has grown accustomed to experiencing more than our fair share. It's almost as if this sort of stuff follows not only him around, but us too. This particular story takes place in Mexico when he was maybe eight or nine. He was accompanying accompanying his grandfather, who at the time worked as a watchman at one of his friend's stores. This specific store also functioned as a warehouse, similar to stores like Costco or Sam's Club, but on a much smaller scale. It was around 11 o'clock when they arrived, well past sunset and into the night. My great-grandfather and his friend had struck a deal, and whenever he was on his shifts, he could help himself to anything he wanted to eat as long as he kept a list in order to make sure it wasn't marked down as stolen inventory. As they were getting ready for the night, my dad was told that he could choose anything he wanted to eat. My dad was excited to hear this as it wasn't often that he was given the opportunity to choose anything from the store that wasn't a necessity without having to worry about having to pay it. He wanted to make sure he made the most of this opportunity and decided to go around the store looking for what he wanted the most. He finally made up his mind and settled on a bottle of chocolate milk. He really only got a bottle of chocolate milk out of the whole entire store. I know. He started to make his way around his store and eventually found himself wandering the halls in search of the refrigerator aisle. After figuring out it was in the very back of the store, he hurriedly rushed towards the low buzzing hum of the dozens of refrigerators. After running past the aisles and suddenly turning into the very vast, the very last aisle, all he remembers was an indescribable feeling of not only pure terror and true fear, but also an endless sense of despair. As he turned the corner, he was face to face with a tall, thin man. My father tells me this man had to have been at least two meters tall. His initial reaction was to try and run away from him, but he couldn't. It was more than being just paralyzed with fear. He felt an endless, empty pit inside him as well as around him. He doesn't remember the face of that man, and he doesn't know how much time passed. He had lost his sense of where he was, and at the time he could not, for the life of him, tell anything except for the fact that it was him and the man in front of him. He does remember, however, that this man was neatly groomed and seemed very well kept. Despite not remembering his face, he does recall that he was staring straight at him. He does not remember what happened after. He only remembers coming to his senses on the floor in his grandfather's arms, being questioned about what had happened. His face was full of tears. All he could manage to choke out was that the man was there. Over 
and over. His grandfather's first thought was that someone had broken in and he rushed my father back to the front of the store where the only lockable room was located, the owner's office. He told my father to wait inside the office and that no matter what, not to open the door for anyone. He would be back as soon as he checked the store to make sure it was safe, but the memory of the man was still all too fresh in my father's mind, and he decided he'd rather be brave, running into the man again with his grandfather by his side rather than remain alone inside the store again. Despite his grandfather believing it wasn't safe, he could see the terror in my father's eyes and complied with my father's wish. After checking through each and every corridor and deciding that the store was safe, they both headed back to the office where my dad explained everything. For the most part, it seemed to be an isolated incident, as my great-grandfather later that morning told the owner what had happened, and he claimed it was the first he had heard of anything of the sort happening inside the store. It is worth noting, however, that the store was torn down not two months later after this incident, and the owner seemed to give no more of an explanation other than, quote, he was losing money. Despite my dad not daring to outright say what he thinks he saw that night, it's more than apparent to me that based on his description of both the man and the feelings that overcame him, I think it's safe to say that the man he saw, none other than the devil. The demolition of the store does nothing but further fuel the theory that what it was my father saw that night. So that is the end of the episode, guys. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me your stories. Anything of the sorts, true crime, paranormal, whatever you have, you can email me at criminalhaunts1 at gmail.com or I just started a Facebook page and you can go follow that and join the group, Criminal Haunts. You'll see my photo on the page. Again, thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode. Watch your back and stay safe.